0: Kinder, kindergartners through fifth graders. If you guys want to come up, we're going to do a quick... oh well, there's a few of you in here. Come on up, have a seat. I know, right? I about that. They all rolled over and got another cup of coffee. Just joking. You guys didn't, did you? Had a, <laughs> you had a donut? That's good. good. How was your guys' Thanksgiving? Good, good. Did you guys all get a word search? Coming in? You didn't? Did you get one, darling? If I don't give you guys enough, there's more back there. You guys don't have one? Who needs one? one. Okay. Sure. Okay. You already have one? There you go. All right. Have you question time first? Have you ever planted a plant? What kind of plant? What's that? Kale? Kale? Okay. It's very healthy. Good job, Holidays. Uh who else? Who else has planted something? You guys ever planted? Yeah. Sunflower. Okay, that's a cool one. Snap peas. Yeah, still healthy. Good. I mean, I guess everything that you plant in the ground is probably going to be healthy, right? It's like Snickers bar is going to pop up. <laughs> Anybody else plant something? How big was the seed? Sunflower is actually a pretty big seed, but yeah. Did you guys? Did you guys see these coming in? Did you guys get one? You see this? You guys all should have gotten this. I'll talk to it later, but thanks to my mom who helped me put these in here one by one last night. They are organic, so if you would like to um, so that's a mustard seed. That's that's a pretty small little seed, right? But it turns into this one actually turns into a plant, like a pretty small plant. But there's other mustard seeds that turn into basically trees. And I'm gonna show a picture later so you can you can see what it looks like. Okay, now, I want you, so you guys, small seed, you put in the ground, put some water, some sunshine, right? And then a few days later or weeks or whatever, you go out there and you start to see a little sprout, like, oh, this is cool. And then, like, you know, maybe in a couple months or something, you're actually getting something out of it, right? It's kind of cool. Okay, now, in contrast to that, have you ever seen an advertisement, and I'm going to connect these things for a second, so... Just bear with me. Have you ever seen an advertisement for a toy? Okay, you're getting ready for Christmas, so I'm sure you're watching intently. That looked really, really cool on the commercial. And then when you got it, it wasn't all, I, all you expected it to be. I'll, t- I'll give you an example. Like, you, have you guys heard of Transformers? Okay. Well, when I was a kid, they weren't nearly as big of a deal. I mean, they were a big deal. People like Transformers. But these kids would be playing with these transformers, right? And they would transform from like a car or a truck or whatever into the dude and, you know, back and forth. Right? And so, and like, but the the way that they would play with them, it kind of, it looked like they did it themselves. It just looked way cooler. And then when I got it, I'm like, twist, twist, pop up. I mean, it was neat, but it didn't seem as cool as I thought it was. What Jesus is going to talk about in the parable of the mustard seed is that we often look at things outwardly, and we think they're really cool. But they don't really last. They're not, they, they look significant, they look really beautiful or amazing, and we're like, this is it, this is amazing. But then it just doesn't end up being as awesome as we thought it was. But Jesus says the kingdom of God... It's like a mustard seed. It starts out like you could lose this, right? We didn't pass these out into your hands because then none of us would have them still. Maybe I should have done that and then saw how many people actually had them. But you would lose it, right? I mean, you would try, right? But you would lose this. I would definitely lose this. And what Jesus says is like this is what the kingdom of heaven's like. It starts off in this very small, seemingly insignificant seed. And it turns into this huge tree. So that's the point of the sermon today is that what God does is he uses things, the seed, and if you listen today, planted inside of you to build his kingdom, which is really amazing and really awesome. All right? So that's it. That's all I got today. You guys good with that? All right. If you don't have another word search, there's more back there. And there's crayons back there if you guys didn't grab them on that back table. Cool? All right. I'll try to keep it short today. Thanks for, thanks for coming. All right. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Larry or whoever put this here. <laughs> um, I have a couple props today. Um. Well, good morning, I'm Jonathan, if if you're new here and I didn't get a chance to meet you, I think they're all familiar faces, but, um, I don't know where to put that, put it there. Um, Good job for getting out of bed this morning. (laughs) That was uh, coffee and, oh man, this is, it's good. Um, But the gospel's better, right? I remember that. so we've been going through the parables of Jesus, right? Um, this is the third one we've gone through, and you should be going through them this week, right? Like there's there's other ones that were, and if you um, if you go to our website and you go to resources, it has like the small group um, resources, and you can go and see what, you know, like we're doing a parable in here, and then there's a, a kind of a correlating parable, if you will, um, throughout the week that you can do in your small groups, or with your families, or whatever. Um, so we should get through 14 of these. Uh, Two weeks ago, we did the parable of the sword. A lot of agrarian types of parables, okay? That's what the context, right? Like, if, if Jesus was here now giving parables, it would probably have to do with, like, I don't know, computers and uh, construction and stuff like that. But now it's, it's in in this time, it was agriculture, right? And so he says, that, that first, that the word of God comes, right? Like, um, uh, it... it, it God plants it, right, in our hearts, our soils. And and it could be a path, it could be a rocky soil, it could be thorns. I'm not going to go through that. But he, he talks about like how some of our hearts are just, they receive the word of God, and and some people's hearts don't receive the word of God. And, and that has to do with our heart condition. And so we spent time talking about that, and Jesus explained what that looked like. Um, and then last week, we saw that... Um, it comes in an unexpected way, right? That, um, that those who presumed upon the grace of God, who presumed they would be at this wedding feast of God, at, at this banquet, weren't there. and and those who didn't expect it were invited. And so what God says is he, he explains that this is like this, um, or what Jesus explains is that that the in, in the same way, we look at our lives and we, and we encounter unexpected things. So we would be going about our business and, and God's kingdom would come and break through into our hard hearts. And so this morning he goes on and uses another soil and seed parable. And this one's the parable of the mustard seed. Now there's two parables of the mustard seed. This is the one about the kingdom growing. And so what Jesus does is he explains to us that the things that seem to be insignificant are actually quite significant. And God uses things that um, are meek and meager in order to bring his kingdom. And, And that involves us. So, let me start by praying. Father, we thank you for this time, and we ask that you would help us to see what this means for us. When Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, I pray that we would walk out of here um, understanding and applying this into our lives, that we would come before you um, with conviction and repentance and that you would change us, transform our minds, transform us into the likeness of your son that you would produce fruit in our lives, and that you would be glorified. And we pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, If you have your Bibles out, go ahead and open that up. I'll give you a couple things to maybe underline as we go through this. Um, There's a parallel uh, passage in Luke 13. Mark also has one. So all three of the synoptic gospels have this parable. But we're going to anchor in Matthew 13, verse 31. It says that uh, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So once again, as we go through these parables, we need to figure out who the characters are in this and what's what are the players and and, and try to understand what, what is Jesus saying in this. And I and I hope that as we walk through this faithfully, we'll we'll see that this is this one's this one too is is pretty clear, although there's some places that we can go and kind of um, take a side journey here. So first, Jesus says he, he says, What is the kingdom of heaven like? Okay, so I want you to turn over to Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 13, just hold your place in Matthew 13, and jump over to Luke 13, 18. I guess if you're on your phone, you can't hold your place, but you know what I mean. Luke 13, 18, he says, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? So that's how he introduces this same parable in Luke and Matthew. What's the difference? He says, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He uses them interchangeably. So first, we need to figure out, what, what are we talking about here? So in, in Luke, it, it seems apparent that there's kind of this, this is like a rabbinic um, way that they would ask questions, right? So they, they would ask questions to solicit an answer. And so they would say, hey, like, what is the kingdom of God like? What should I compare it to? What would it, what would it be like? And then the rabbi would then, the teacher would then communicate what it's like. And so that's the question is, what is he talking about? when he says the kingdom of god what do you what do you think about when you hear the words kingdom of god or kingdom of heaven i think about heaven i don't know what do you guys think about i so said i i think of like this future kingdom that's not here and like at some point this kingdom's going to be coming in and if you turn over to daniel chapter 2 this is something that was commonly understood Everybody was waiting for the kingdom of God. Then Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 it says and in the days of those kings the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Alright, right? So, like, there's a kingdom, and we're looking forward to this kingdom coming. Right? That, that's a that's a normal thing. Doesn't Jesus even say that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? The Lord's Prayer. So, so here we are, there's this kingdom. It's going to come, and 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 Jesus tells us to pray for the kingdom to come, and so we go. Okay, so the kingdom is is far off, and at some point it's going to come, and it's going to come. You guys think is it going to come slowly or quickly? What do you think? Slow. Raise your hand. Who you thinks it's going to come quickly? All right. 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 So this is kind of a, an interesting piece here, because if, if Jesus is going to come back and bring the kingdom with him, and, and Jesus is telling us to pray for the kingdom to come, there's kind of this mental image, this picture that, that everybody, the Israelites, right, like this is what they understood. The kingdom was going to come. And the trials and tribulations of life, and the tears, and the sorrow, and all these things are going to be vanquished. They're all going to be gone. And this kingdom, like um, it says in Daniel, is going to be established forever. Awesome. But what does Jesus say? (laughs) What does Jesus say about this kingdom? He says it, it starts like this. It's a kingdom that grows. Well, that's very different, isn't it? I mean, if the kingdom grows, right, then, then it doesn't just suddenly come. So, how do we understand this? Go back to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Okay, so here you go. Here's your mustard seed. How do we reconcile these things? You guys with me here? There's a there's a there's a problem because we we read Daniel, we read Jesus saying that we want the kingdom to come, and then he and then Jesus says, well, the the kingdom of God, you can compare it to a mustard seed. You see, that would have been um, not what everybody was expecting him to say. Right? When they say, what, what's the kingdom of God going to be like, and Jesus is going to He's going to explain it. It's beauty, and it's grandiose, and it's it's amazing, and and it's all these things. And he goes, it's like this. (laughs) And they're like, really? That's the kingdom of God? It doesn't marry up. So how do we understand this? Look at what he says in verse 32. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So this grows into a tree, and that is the kingdom of God. Okay, now, I'm going to say a quick, quick side jaunt here. First, this is not the smallest seed. And second, the mustard plant is not a tree. Okay? So, how do you, how do, you do this with your Bible? Was Jesus wrong? <laughs> okay, good answer, right? So, but, but we have to be able to like, write, like how do we do this? And this is where, what's the style of writing? Is Jesus giving a botany lesson? No, it's not the point, right? You could, you could make an expression about something being, this is the smallest thing I've ever seen, and it's not the smallest thing you've ever seen, right? You could say, man, that's, that looks like a tree. And you're like, you don't want to be that person's like, actually, that's not a tree. That's a plant. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's, and, and this is, but this is uh, from an apologetic perspective, right? And this is throughout scripture. You have to understand the context of what's being said, right? That's not the point of Jesus' parable. Jesus' parable isn't about this. And in fact, if you go and you start looking for mustard trees, you kind of have to go back and, and it, again, I, sadly, I got into like the scientific name. Of it. This is actually kind of cool. So, like, I'm like, well, what is this, right? Because I've 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 grown mustard greens, and you can grow mustard, right? The holidays probably have grown mustard since they grow kale, right? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I keep calling you out, right? So, um, but that's a plant. It, it only grows like this big, and that's what and that's what this would be. Um, but there's another thing, another species um, that that is in in dry uh, areas. Uh, in the Middle East in particular, uh, that it, it, it's, it looks like a tree. In fact, I think I have a picture up there. Well, that's what I mean, does that look like a plant to you? <laughs> I would walk by that and go, hey, let's go take a nap under the tree, <laughs> right? I wouldn't say, let's go take a nap under the plant. Um, that's a mustard tree. Um, it's also called a toothbrush tree. Total side note, but I thought this was really cool. Um, when I was in Saudi Arabia, like, I don't know, I guess 20 years ago, um, I was there like on a little military thing for just a, a few weeks, and and people were chewing on these things. Have you guys ever seen these things? This is like the root or the branch of that thing, which I had no idea. But this is what they use for toothbrushes in like um like the nomad nomadic peoples there. Um, and and it, it actually tastes quite good actually. Um, you can't have any because that would be weird. But um, and so. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could have that end, but um, so so everybody would have understood what he was talking about. That's my point. Like people weren't like going and googling like the scientific name, and they weren't like thinking about a field of plants, right? Because then, what happens to the parable? Like, is Jesus talking about a little mustard plant in this parable? No, the, the context doesn't allow that, right? The context is something really small and insignificant turns into something really big and significant that's the point right not how small is this and not how big is this right and not whether this is a plant or a tree it's it's the transformation it's the change that's the point okay and this is where as we're walking through these parables we got to be really careful about what is he talking about so everybody would have understood what he's talking about and we in a non-agrarian society are like googling show me a picture of a mustard tree right So his point was on growth. His point was not that the kingdom of God was going to be this massive tree. In fact, there were bigger trees that he could have picked. He could have picked a cedar of Lebanon. And in fact, if you read through in the Old Testament, that is the reference that is often used of something that is large and incredible. So the question we got to ask is why wouldn't Jesus have used that? Because his point wasn't that the kingdom is going to be really big. It's not his point. His point wasn't that the the kingdom is going to be this amazing, beautiful place. That's not the point. The point is the transformation. The point is how God is growing his kingdom. And he starts with a mustard seed. He starts with the kingdom within. So we got to understand this then, right? So turn over to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Paul describes the kingdom of God. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last supper, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. And so there's this, right? We we know this expression, this. The twinkling of an eye, like like that, everything's going to change. So how do we how do we reconcile these things? He says it's a kingdom that's within us. Turn over to Luke chapter seventeen, verse twenty. In a similar manner, listen to what the Pharisees asked him. He says, being asked by the Pharisees. When the kingdom of God would come. So listen, when, underline that. What's the question? When is it, going? not how is it going to come. When is it going to come? Those are different questions, right? He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And some of your translations will probably say "within you." I think that's actually a better translation. So, what does he say? They go, "When's it going to come?" And what's Jesus' response? It's not a when; it's a how. He goes, "There's and and there's other scriptures, right? They talk about like you know, there's there's a difference between Jesus' second coming, right?" When Jesus is going to come back and inaugurate the kingdom, like, and actually make it obvious, versus what, what he's talking about here. In fact, what does he say? It cannot be observed. Well, what do we have going on here? What's this kingdom of God? He says it's within you, it's in the midst of you. That word right there, and you can circle out the, the word midst or within. Some scholars have taken that to be like, this is Jesus talking about like being in their midst. But the problem is, is he says, it can't be observed. And they would have been like, well, I can see you. So I think within is a better way of of going like, what's this kingdom? It's, It's within you. It begins as a seed planted within the believers, within the followers of Christ. Okay. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5. Paul's critiquing the Corinthians because they're they're following after people instead of Christ they're following after, they're like, they're like fans of Apollos and fans of Paul and fans of, and Paul's like, how about you just follow Jesus? Um, and he says in verse five, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that's planted in a field. Jesus says that the sower goes out to sow seeds, and they land on the path and in the rocks and amongst weeds or in good soil. You see where, where these things are connecting, right? And so when we're going out and we're preaching the gospel and we're teaching and living our lives and following Christ, this is what's happening. The seed of faith is being planted in others. This is the kingdom of God. This is what he's saying. Look, look, at verse, uh, look down at verse 9. First Corinthians 3:9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Is there any question about what God, how God sees us in this? Like he plants a seed. In you, in me, we go, and what do we do? We plant seeds. Really, God's planting the seed, but we plant seeds. I plant you water. God makes it grow. That's what he says. And so the kingdom of God is in this, it's this growing thing. Like, stop thinking about this as like, well, we're just, I'm just sitting here. Like, I believe in Jesus, and so I guess I just hang out until the kingdom of God comes. And I should pray for the kingdom of God to come. No. That's not what scripture teaches. That's not what Jesus teaches. He goes, it's a seed, it's growing. Are you are you part of that growing? Turn over to John chapter 17. Verse 18. Jesus makes it really clear. He says, and he's praying to God, he's praying to the Father, and he says, "As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. For what purpose? Why are you here? <laughs> why are we called to go and preach? Why? Why? If it was just for, and I, I say this all the time, if if God was just trying, if God was out there just planting seeds of His own accord, and you had no role in this, then you, when you became uh, saved and a follower of Christ, he would have just sucked you up into eternity, and then he would have just kept going through the population. And you just, everybody's getting, right? Like you believe in Jesus, you're like, poof, gone. Like, that's not what he does. We are his fellow workers. We are partners with God in this world. That's our purpose. You guys with me on this? Like, this is what we are here to do. We are not here to do these other seemingly significant things in this world. This is what we're called to do. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So you might, you might start thinking, man, I, okay, well, how do I do this? I've got to make sure I know how to plant seeds, I've got to be, become a farmer or something, and I, gotta, I don't even know what this looks like. We're going to walk through that. But listen to what he says here in Ephesians, what Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, meaning like God has created us, right? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. You don't have to come up with this stuff. Who, Who ultimately is making the seed grow? God is. It's not your responsibility, okay? Parents, it's not your responsibility. It's your responsibility to raise them up in the way they should go. Absolutely. It's your responsibility to reflect Christ as best you can. It's your responsibility to repent and confess with them and and be Christ-like in your dealings with them. But it's not your responsibility to make the seed grow. Plant, water, God makes it grow. But that doesn't mean you don't do anything. <laughs> and this is where I think we, and, and forget the parents part of this, just, just in population with your friends, like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're a believer or not. I don't know if they know Christ. And they kind of seem like they're Christians, I guess. Do you have a responsibility? Yeah, you do. I mean, like, this is what we're called to do. So Jesus' point is that it starts with insignificant beginnings. Insignificant beginnings, totally insignificant. You could you could lose this. Think through this for a second. This means that when you're going out and you're like, "Hey, well, okay," kingdom builders unite. Let's let's rock and roll. We need some construction materials. We need some programs. We need we need to organize. We need to assemble these big groups. We need to. We need to figure this out. We need to have a plan, some marketing. He goes, it starts out pretty insignificant, and it can't be observed. You see, our, our world flips this upside down, right? What are the things that seem significant in our world? Big things, successful things, beautiful things, right? Like, like that's what we attribute, right? Like, like a small business. They could be a great small business. But man, if they if they become a chain, then what do we say? Must have done well. It's good. It's a good thing. Good job. Success. Awesome. Is it? Okay, now you become corporate. Now you're, now you're bigger. We're, what Jesus is saying here is like it's in these insigni- seemingly insignificant relationships and conversations. That's how the kingdom of God grows. You guys with me on this? Like this, is, this changes everything for us in our lives the inopportune conversation, right? The inconvenient relationship you have. It's the words that you speak, the time that you spend. This is how the gospel spreads. This is how lives are changed. This is how your life was changed. Probably. And so... The question we need to ask is why? Why does God do it like this? Why doesn't God make it this big, amazing, like transformational, like, like it's just like, zam, like lightning and and flash, and it's like it's this amazing thing, and you're like, wow, this is incredible, or like, man, like there's this huge big thing. I mean, if you think about it, all the things that are significant in this world are made by the weak hands of men and women, right? The marketing genius or the the, the the work ethic or whatever. But when it starts as a seed, if you plant this, I mean, you can take some credit for making sure the soil was good. And making sure it was planted in the right spot. You get enough sunshine and you watered it. But you don't really make it grow. Right? If you had a bad seed, it, there's nothing you can do. It's never going to grow. You don't. You kind of just wait, kind of passively. You you pour into it, and then you see if God makes it grow. And so, likewise, in our relationships and in our lives, we we pour into the lives around us. We feed, we, and then we see if God makes it grow. But to but to jettison that and say, I don't have time for the small things. I don't have time for the insignificant things. Let me spend my time on these big, significant, worldly types of things. That's where Jesus goes, no, that's not it. That's not how this works at all. Success, prestige, fame, wealth, none of that. That's not how the kingdom of God grows. It grows through insignificant beginnings. And then look what he says in Matthew 13, 32. And the second part of that. He says why? He says so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now people have gone all over the map on who are the birds, <laughs> what are the branches, right? And this is where you start allegorizing the parables. So I, I think I think you're losing a little bit. It's my opinion. I could be wrong. But I think his point here is like, it's big enough that these birds can come in and find. Rest, a haven, like this is the kingdom of God. Right? Don't, don't, don't take that one too far. Okay? That part of the metaphor is not really Jesus' point, I don't think. But he's like, no, like, like this kingdom that starts in the super insignificant beginnings, that starts within you, grows. And it turns into a place where people come and find comfort and contentment. And joy, like birds of the air finding a branch to rest on, this is God's word for those who follow Christ. It's comforting. It's peaceful. It's a haven. And so that's the point here. That's the point. So for us, how do we apply this into our lives? I think... I think we ignore the insignificant things normally I think we invest our time and energy into what we think is significant and we bypass and forego the things that are insignificant and sadly the kingdom of God falls in that category often and if this kingdom grows from within us it's all relational And that's not something we do well. <laughs> Relationships, right? I, I, I wrap us all into that general stereotype. I know it might not be everybody. Um, but that's it, right? We don't, we don't have time for others. I mean, a little bit of time, we carve off a little bit of time. We don't have time for that. I gotta, I got to get rich. I got to get successful. I got to get a job. I got to... I got to do these things. I got to. And Jesus says the kingdom of God spreads and grows, and it begins within us in insignificant beginnings. Let me pray.